Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. This is Spencer Osborne. Uh, Before getting forward with the show, just a couple of disclosures. I am not a financial advisor. I cannot give individual financial advice. Uh, The topics discussed on the show do involve equities. It's not an offer to buy or sell an equity. Uh, With reference to mankind, I hold no position in the stock, uh, nor have I ever and my financial interests uh, are basically what you would call clean. The only compensation I receive for my writing is from Keeping Alpha. So with that being said, uh, welcome to the show. Um, quite a few things to cover in, in a small amount of time. The show is going to be about a half hour long. Um, for people that are, are familiar with uh, my writing, uh, I can be brutally realistic when I write. <laughs> And it might come off as me being um, negative the company, per se. I'm not negative mankind. I'm not negative of Frezza. Um, I just look at what the investing story is and uh, try to relay that and do, it, do so in a realistic way. Um, so with that being said, is mankind a buy, a sell, or a hold? Well, it depends. It's a little, little bit in there for everybody. I tend to write more towards a trader's perspective. So that's someone that's actively trading in and around the equity, um, you know, buying the dips, you know, selling the pops. Uh, Maybe that trader shorts the pops and and, uh, buys the dips. But um, that's kind of the perspective that I look at it from. Uh, In general, my belief is that mankind is a very speculative stock and the trader's actually currently have the advantage. Um, If someone's invested for the longer term, uh, that's fine, but you've got to kind of bow down to or or give credence to the fact that active traders are playing this equity all the time. So if you're in the market and you're, you're invested in this stock, you know, hopefully you're not too overweight. If someone were to call me and say that they had half of their money tied up into mankind, I would be very nervous for them. If someone called me and said they had 5% of their money tied up into mankind, wonderful. Knock yourself out. Have a good time. Uh, 5% off of anybody's uh, uh, portfolio isn't going to whack them if things go bad, and it still lets you participate in things if things go good. There's a few callers uh, that have, have called in. I'll try to get to people with calls as, as the show goes on. There is a chat room function in Blog Talk Radio. Um, so on your dashboard, if you just hit the chat, the chat is open. Uh, you listeners are free to chat on the chat board. Uh, I don't do the radio show and chat on the chat board at the same time. But I can see the chat, so if you have a question and you don't want to be a, uh, you don't want to call in because you're nervous or whatever, uh, you can certainly type your question in the chat room. 
and I will try to get to questions if, uh, as time permits and if time permits. So uh, first things first, um, kind of one of the things I want to cover was essentially the, the warrants, the cash situation, and where mankind is and, and what investors really need to know about that. So uh, mankind is essentially living the corporate version of paycheck to paycheck. Uh, they have one, sometimes two quarters of funding. And the problem with that is, is the lack of funding doesn't allow them to really materially shift their strategy and how they are marketing uh, Afresa or how they're going about with what they're deciding to do on clinical trials, research development, et cetera. It takes, you know, more funding in order to probably drive some of those changes. They've tried a lot of things so far. A lot of things haven't worked very well. Um, there, there's definitely progress being made. The problem is, is that the pace of the progress would eat up the cash on hand rather quickly. So what does that leave us? It leaves us with a company that's main and most likely source of cash is its own shares. So it starts to be able to use its shares as currency. What does that mean to investors? It means you get diluted. Now, mankind has been able to do relatively small dilutions, I guess I'll term it that way, and keep the share price somewhat stable. Um, the, the hard part of this is when they're only raising 20 or $30 million at a time and they're burning 20 to $30 million in any given quarter, um, you, you start to quickly see how they're living quarter to quarter. And although 140 million additional shares were approved last December, uh, they're already eating into those. So one of the things that they recently did was an offering, uh, raised about $25 million and that offering came with warrants. On my blog section of my Seeking Alpha articles, I, I wrote a piece about why warrants and convertibles can be toxic for uh, investors and toxic to a company. And essentially, a lot of it boils down to timing, but a lot of it also boils down to how Wall Street works. And it doesn't matter whether we like it or not. It doesn't matter whether we agree with it or not. It doesn't matter whether we think it's moral or not. Wall Street works the way Wall Street works. So what happens typically is you have the ability to, um, the, the company's gonna do an offering. So that word already gets out there on the street that mankind's looking to do an offering. What do most of these players do when an offering happens? On the face of it, you'd think, oh, there's investors that are putting $20 million into the company. They must be bullish about the prospects of the company. Most of the time, that's not necessarily the case. They might be bullish about the prospects of the company, but really what they're trying to do is make money. So what they do is they short the equity on the announcement of the offering. The offering comes at a discount, and they know now that they can cover their short position with the shares that they're going to buy in the offering. So in, when you're talking about you know, $25 million, it's a quick way for someone to make $2.5 million essentially in a 48 to 72 hour period. Now, what these buyers of these offerings often insist on is that they get some sort of deal sweetener. <clears throat> that sweetener is often in the form of warrants or convertibles if they're doing debt. 
So in this case, it's warrants. The warrants are $2.38. So here's where these warrants can become toxic. They cannot be exercised until mid-October. So what happens if, let's say, the stock runs up to $3 prior to mid-October? Well, it's very tempting for that holder of those warrants to go ahead and short the stock at $3. Collect a bunch of money. So we're talking about 14 million shares. So they could short at $3, collect $42 million, and know that they can cover at $2.38 because that's what they have the right to buy anytime between October 15th, thereabouts, and April 15th of next year. So now what happens? Well, the company wants, to, wants the money. They want to be able to sell these warrant shares. That's their currency at the moment. So mankind would really like to see these warrants get exercised and put $30 million into their coffers. But what happens if that short puts enough supply into the market that the share price goes below 238? Then that company that holds the warrants doesn't exercise the warrants. They cover on the open market instead, and they still hold the warrants so they can play the game all over again. Now add some more complexity into the situation. We know mankind wants to raise money, so there's very likely at some point another offering that, that's going to happen down the road. How do we know mankind needs to raise money? Because of the covenant that Deerfield holds on mankind that says mankind has to finish every quarter with $25 million in cash. So what, what's the compelling thing that, that can happen in the near term that will allow mankind to raise some money? Well, that compelling thing seems to be uh, the ADA conference happening toward the end of this month. And there's a stat study that's going to get presented there. Uh, there's a hypoglycemia uh, poster that's going to be presented there. So the company has the ability to kind of put out some PRs that, that will help entice the stock price and make the stock price start to rise. So now potentially what you have is, let's say that that price runs to $3. You have the guys that hold the warrants from the last offering e eager to short nine times out of 10. And the guys that are going to participate in the new offering will likely also want to short. So let's say the new offering is 10 million shares and it goes off at $3 a piece. Well, you're going to have 14 million shares from the warrant holders shorting. You're going to have 10 million shares from the new offering buyers shorting. That's 24 million shares hitting the open market on an equity that trades 2 million shares a day. What does that kind of supply do? It floods the market. Flooded market means the price goes down. On top of all this, mankind has the Deerfield debt. They have about $15 million due mid-July. This is principal. So Deerfield's debt would go from $45 million down to $30 million. Mankind, I'm sure, would rather use shares to pay that debt than cash. Because if they use cash, they put themselves in danger of running below the covenant again. So... What does mankind do? Well, they already have a deal with Deerfield that says that they can use shares at Deerfield's discretion for 325. Well, Deal Deerfield has the option. Deerfield's not going to take shares at 325 apiece if the stock is trading below 325, which means they would have to sit down at the table again with Deerfield. Deerfield holds all the leverage, and the cycle continues. In order to break that type of cycle you need to have a compelling shift in the fundamental story. You need to have scripts rise massively. 
And I'm not talking about a fundamental shift. The fundamental shift is, hey, the SAP study's coming out. I think that's a, that's a catalyst. Or the one-drop study's coming out, and that's a catalyst. Those are nice little ads, but they're not a fundamental Wall Street appreciative change in what the mankind story is. So that's a little bit about that. Um, so right now we're, you know, about uh, halfway through the show. And I think what I'll do at this point is, is hop into a caller. Um, let me see here. I've got uh, area code 312, area code 312. You're on the air. Uh, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, Spencer. This is John Castanis, and I'm calling from Chicago. Hey, John. How you doing? Um, well, uh, so my question is, uh, has to do with what options is, would be best for shareholders for mankind to raise the money to get out of the situation it's in? Well, you know, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a harsh truth, but the, the most realistic, the best situation is, is that mankind finds a partner that delivers at least one year's worth of cash. One year's worth of cash is $100 million. So the odds of them finding a partner, I mean, India just went off for $2.2 million. So the odds of them finding a partner that is going to pony up $100 million is not very realistic. So what we have to then look at is what is realistic. They can certainly do, they have another term sheet that they're looking at, so that might bring in a couple of million bucks. Um, they have... T, which I don't think they could even try to partner until they complete phase one, even though we already know that phase one will go swimmingly well, as, as was demonstrated by Liquidia already. Um, so the, the best option that, you know, for current shareholders, you know, shareholders that have been in it for a long time and probably are unfortunately underwater a bit is going to be probably more dilution. So, at that point, the shareholder has a decision to make. Do they want to participate in, in that dilution? In other words, to try to keep their percentage of ownership the same, um, or do they just stand pat and, and hope for the best? And in, in many instances, you know, that depends on anybody's financial situation. But what they really need to do is assess whether or not they're overinvested already. Um, the, re, the, the harsh reality is, that the financing is going to come through dilutive efforts, probably use of the ATM facility, and even they did an employee stock option thing that they announced this afternoon where employees are buying stock directly from the company, which the company needs all the, all the pennies it can scratch together. So it's better for your employees to buy it from your coffers than from, uh, from, from the street. But, it's not a pretty situation, so the best way is to come up with a method of fundamental change that excites the street enough that you can do an offering that raises at least one year's worth of cash. They have to get out of this quarter-to-quarter conundrum that they've been in for two-plus year, two years now. Any, any other questions? Oh, uh... The other question uh, has to do is, would you consider, uh, okay, if uh, mankind was struggling to raise that cash, uh, would you, do you think that a spinoff of, of a Frezza would be the next, next best option? 
Well, I, I presented it as a as a very you know uh, a very compelling option in my opinion, um, and I wrote an article about it. And you know, is, is a new mankind possible? And in essence, what what that article is about is actually what they did with the Brazil deal and what they did with the India deal. Both of those deals are essentially selling off a Freza in that region, giving that partner all the autonomy, and mankind's going to get some sort of royalty out of it. We don't know what it is because they haven't told us, but I would imagine it's, it's single digits, you know, 10% max is, is my, mm-hmm. my opinion on that. So in essence, what they've done is sold off a Freza in India for the manufacturing contract and a royalty on sales. CIPLA has all the responsibility of marketing, all the responsibility of, of getting through trials, everything else. That's their ballywick. Now, I'm sure the contract has some performance criteria in it, but of, of what type of effort CIPLA has to put forward. But at the end of the day, that's essentially what they've done. Now, if you take that to a bigger scale and just say, okay, we're going to sell off that whole franchise for a royalty and a manufacturing contract, it gives you a little bit of revenue right now, but you need to have a story now to sell the street. And that's another article that I've, I've covered is, okay, guys, the street, you go to them and say, we've got Technosphere. We feel this is a very good delivery method. We've tested it, gotten it approved for Freza. Let's just assume we're a few months down the road. It's past the phase one with Propostanil. Um, so what we want to do is raise $200 million dollars. And with that $200 million, we want to take $100 million of it, and we're going to test 10 uh, Technosphere compounds, take them to phase one. The other $100 million is going to finance operations while Afreza gets, gets rolling with this new partner that just bought the, the rest of the global rights or something along those lines. That would allow the company to have a big cash infusion. It would take the cash overhang away and allow the company to still utilize its manufacturing facility, but now do it in a way that's going to pump out some volume if the right partner buys a Freza up, and allow the company to become what it used to be, which is kind of a research and development company that then hopes to partner off the drug. Mankind trying to be a pharma company that's selling its own drugs has been, as most investors know, a very – a long and drawn out process that thus far the company has not been very good at. And I'm not meaning that to insult them. They they don't have the money to be very good at it. They're competing. They're a little league team competing, competing in a game with NFL players or or, or major league baseball players. So it's not a, a knock on mankind. They're doing the best they can with what they have, but they just don't really have the horses in order to make all that happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, if I can ask one last question. Well, sure. What, uh, if, uh, do you think that the man group has a wherewithal to uh, assist mankind with additional funding? Uh, my simple answer to that is whether or not they have the wherewithal, I don't think that the man group necessarily has the desire to. If they had, they already would have. Um, the man group is, you know, a trust. It's probably got family involved, kids involved, uh, kids that Al has said, you know, don't really like to work, don't want to work, <laughs> you know? Um, so they, they, they've got, they had a tie to the company. 
they still have a tie through debt to the company. They do own some shares, and I think that they will they won't necessarily be a a combative um, lender or a predatory lender to the company. But I don't think that the Man Group is is eagerly looking to loan any more money. Um, I think that they're they're willing to help and assist to hopefully make sure that the debt that mankind does owe the man group can get paid. That's the, the simple answer. <laughs> okay. But Fair uh, enough. let me, let me hop on to another call here. And uh, that caller is six, one, zero, six, one, zero. You're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Six, one, zero. Okay, I'm going to lose 610 here. It's probably someone that wanted to call in because they're not at a computer. We'll try 773. 773, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Okay, same thing there, or somehow the dashboard may have gone down, so we'll figure that out. Um, But 773, I've got you uh, queued up, so if you want to pop in here, um, you know, go go ahead and do so. Three one two six one zero. If I booted you guys, I'm sorry. I'm trying to figure out this new dashboard a little bit. So there's a several minutes left. If you want to uh, call in, by all means, call in. That chat board is available. If you're on your computer listening, uh, want to type a question in, you can type a question in there. Um, so let's see. There's there's a few minutes left, and uh, you know wanted to cover some particular topics. Uh, I covered kind of what, how the warrants and, and the cash situation is. Um, projections and sales and mankind guidance. Um, I'm going to keep this real short, sweet, and simple. Uh, more likely than not, net revenue at the halfway point of the year will be $7.5 million. Mankind guidance is that net revenue from Afreza will be $25 million to $30 million. So if you get to the halfway point and you're at seven and a half million, that means you need 17 and a half million in the second half of the year in order to meet your guidance. So this is the challenge. Wall Street is assessing right now the odds of mankind making that guidance. And if Q2 finishes and that number is about seven and a half million dollars, even eight million, even 10 million, um, if they if they were somehow to get 10 million, they'd still need 15 million in the second half of the year. What's happening is is we don't see scripts ramping up to the extent that are needed in order to hit guidance, which means we need a hockey stick. Now, we needed a hockey stick to start several weeks ago. And what happens is, is every week that goes by that they're below the trajectory needed, that hockey stick has to get more vertical. And it's not going to be very long before instead of a hockey stick, you're going to need a flagpole. And what, what does that mean? Now, why, oh, first of all, why did mankind give such guidance? They gave such guidance because they need to show aggressive guidance because they need to raise cash through offerings, and they need to be able to tell an impressive story. Going from $9 million in 2017 to 25 to $30 million in 2018 is telling the story that includes a triple. Now, that right now isn't looking good. Now, they could have said guidance is $18 million to $23 million, which would include a double, but a double is not quite as sexy as a triple, particularly when, uh, and I don't mean this as an insult, but a Fresa is like a used car. Sanofi did what they did. 
it's 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 I'm not going to call it damaged good because that's a, a bad term, but it's like a used car. It's got some miles on it, and that far hasn't proven itself. So, how does how do you increase sales that quickly? It's not an easy thing to do. You've got to change the mind of doctors, change the mind of insurance companies, change the mind of consumers. A is already one of the more expensive insulin options that are on the market. So consumers might be hesitant to start pulling money out of their pocket to treat, even if that, even if they have better results, they still might be hesitant to pull money out of their pocket. Doctors would rather deal with the, the, the products and script the products that give them less headache, less headache means Spencer goes into the doctor says, Hey doc, I want to try a Frezza. Doc says, okay, I'm going to let you try a Frezza. Here's a script. Spencer goes down to the pharmacy, and the pharmacy looks at my script and then comes to the counter and says, that will be $487. And Spencer says, oh, my God, you know, I usually pay $50. What do you mean $487? I tell the pharmacist, you know what, hold that script. I call my doctor the next day, and now I'm being a pain in his butt because I'm saying, you know, hey, you didn't tell me that that thing costs $487. I, I want a script for my old stuff. And so the doctor has to take the time to do all that. That's a pain in the butt. Doctors don't like to do it. Should they? You know, we can have that debate all day long. Um, But the bottom line is the easy path is the easy path. And doctors, insurance companies, and consumers will all tend to try to gravitate toward the easy path. Afreza is not on the easy path. Some plans do cover it well. Those people that have success, tend to keep going with it, and that's a great thing. The problem is is there's not enough plans that have it on good tiers that don't require either step therapy or prior authorization or hoops for people to jump through. So with regard to guidance, I think that the time that mankind is going to have to address guidance is in the Q2 conference call, which will happen in August. So you start to put all these things together, and – you, you begin to see kind of why they kind of get themselves into the conundrum they're in and, or maybe they don't get themselves in it, but they're just in a conundrum that's difficult to get out of. It's a cycle that's hard to break. And what's going to happen if mankind has to say that they're lowering their guidance? Well, there's two ways they can go about it. They can either lower the guidance and keep the cash spend where it is, or They can spend some additional cash to try to get advertising out there to try to get the sales to hopefully get the guidance. And, but the the hard part of that is they already gave a cash burn guidance number between 90 and hundred million. So is getting to 25 million in sales instead of 20 million worth going from guidance of cash burn of 90 to hundred to 110 to 115. The numbers don't work in the short term. Someone would have to really prove to me that they're going to work in the long term. But that's the long and the short of guidance. Um, so with a, with a couple of minutes left here in the show, um, I, I want to just clarify, you know, a, a few tidbits of misconceptions out there. Um, I write because I like to. Uh, I cover equities that I'm invested in sometimes. I cover equities that I'm not invested in. Um, I, all of my financial stake is in Seeking Alpha, which is very modest, um, if, if, if I'm going to put it out there, 
Uh, it's very modest. So it, it's essentially, I, it's something I enjoy doing and therefore uh, I do it. Um, I try to be realistic. I try to help the regular investor understand Wall Street a little bit better. The regular investor is at a massive, massive disadvantage when it comes to the markets. Uh, the technology in terms of cash, in terms of understanding the markets. And the last thing that I'll leave here with like the minute and a half left is the PAH treatment. So TREP T is in phase one. Um, if you're invested in mankind or considering an investment in mankind, do yourself a favor. Go on to the alpha, pull the transcript for United Therapeutics. They are the 800-pound gorilla in the PAH market. Understand that they have several products for PAH. Um, I think there's a misconception that they just have Tyveco. That's not the case at all. They have several products. Go to their website. Look at that market. You have United Therapeutics. You have Liquidia, which is a very similar dreamboat-sized inhaling device, dry powder. They're already recruiting for phase three. And then you have a company like Arena Pharmaceuticals working on an oral pill uh, for PAH. So it's a competitive landscape, but read up, read the last four quarterly calls for the transcripts forum for United Therapeutics. It gives you a sense of the market, how the market works, what products are out there. Go to that website, look at the treatments, and try to understand. One thing Mankind did that, that gives it a little advantage over Liquidia is it's going into higher dosing ranges. But Liquidia is already through Phase 1 and into Phase 3. So for Mankind to catch up to Liquidia is going to be a tough sell but at least it pro helps prove the concept. With that, there's about five seconds left. Thank you guys for tuning in. And if you have any questions, shoot me an email, x1spencer at gmail.com.